Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Diversity Remix, only provocative conversations at the intersection of business, politics, and culture. I'm Charlie Echeverry. And I'm Jesus Chavez. This week's episode, Don't Mess With Texas, again? In our deep dive today, Texas continues to dominate state-driven narratives as they clash with progressive political pressure, especially around social issues. Will their brand new state law, which all but bars abortions in the great state, be their final undoing? And encourage your cringe. El Salvador gets Bitcoin, Rogan recovers, and Judge weighs in on Ivermectin. Did a poor Latino country with limited resources just show the world an innovative solution to unstable national currencies? Or did they compound their already poor financial health with a risky economic wager? Did the world's biggest podcast host just dunk on COVID through an innovative regimen of supplements and good health? Or is a single example of a quick recovery now being used by anti-vaxxers to push a false narrative? And finally, did an Ohio judge stand up for science and medicine with his recent ruling on ivermectin? Or is a branch of the government restricting the freedom of individuals to choose how they want to be medically treated? This and more this week on TDR. So, <clears throat> week one, year two. Yeah, yeah, it is. You're right. We finally we celebrated our one year anniversary. We think we may have got it right by a week or two. Or I got some nice shout outs on uh, on on the feeds. Yeah, yeah, people. yeah. Yeah, I saw, cool. saw people responding to that. That's, that was nice. It was nice to I see I put that, that, uh, that post up with the, the picture. Of the yeah, that was cool. I like that. That was cool. It's one of those pictures you take and you don't actually expect it to be good, but then, then you look right. at it and you're like, oh, that's actually pretty good. Pretty decent composition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. So what's the plan for year two? Um, going to start talking about some boring stuff. Yeah, I know, right? I think <laughs> Nothing interesting all year. <laughs> Just things that everyone can agree on. I mean, to me, part of it will be kind of interesting is like, what's going to be the next big topic that we talk about? You mean beyond like COVID? Yeah, because it feels like everything is COVID related right now. COVID tinged. Sort of a, well, I think the other one is one of the things that we're talking about. I think the Supreme Court is going to be one that will come up over and over again. I think so too. That's going to be probably the next really big 
the big frontier. Of course, uh, we were just talking about how they're not being true to type, and now we're going to talk about how they're how true they're to type. Exactly true to type. Well, you know, <laughs> which I guess makes you untrue to type, right? If you're um, going back and forth, that was kind of a, yeah, I guess. But I think that was a little bit expected. Uh, I think we were hopeful that it was going to be the case, but that will be interesting. Of course, and you have the elections that will be coming up. Um, oh yeah, next, we got one of those year, too, guess, right? right? Well, we have uh, – Well, here, the recall. As a matter of fact, we didn't – The recall is next we week. We didn't include it on here. I, I don't know why. I had it to include and then – It's just to happen. California. Not everybody who, California, who listens is California. Yeah, yeah. It's also a very unique situation for California mm-hmm. recalls, how they do recalls. By the way, um, I still don't know what I'm actually doing. I have the, uh, mm-hmm. the ballot mm-hmm. that got sent to my house. Yeah. And – I guess you can drop it off or send it or do something before next week, right? Yeah, you could send it in. You, it's because the the, vo- the the election day is the fourteenth. I want to say. So they're doing. I want to say they're doing early votes. Uh, early, um, yeah, early voting this uh, this weekend. I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you could also drop it if my mail, drop it off my mail. Uh, you know, so uh, it's like a two stage, right? For yeah. those that may not familiar that are from other states, is basically what we're going through, and I'm sure you guys have heard is. Gavin Newsom is getting recalled, right? Now, there was a push to try to get him recalled. Like, it's kind of, the, it reminds me of, is like the impeachment of, of, of President Trump. Like, the paperwork has been drawn up the second he got elected. Like, even before. Even before. We're going to recall this dude it's like, no matter what. Here's the keys to the White House. By the way, you're being impeached. Because I remember seeing the, the people out there, like, like uh, asking for, the, you know, for signatures Super early, like way really? early in the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember running into it. It was to the point I, I walked up and talked to the guy. It was like a, this this older black. They always do it outside of supermarkets too. Yeah, it was outside of like a Ralph's or something. And he was like, "Oh yeah, I'm looking for signatures." I'm like, well, "What is it for?" It was like for the recall of of Newsom. Yeah. I'm like, "Oh, okay." That, I heard, that was the first time. That, so that literally just the got first there. time I heard about it. Then I'm convinced it's the hair. And if the hair was different, I think he'd be fine. <laughs> That's what it is. But it, it is kind of amazing, right? When you see when you see what happened uh, with him, right? Because obviously, it it took a very uh, in terms of a progressive policy, definitely one of the more progressives across the country, right? In terms of its stance against COVID and, and everything that was that was done there. And depending on where you sit in the aisle, you may either really agree with it or really disagree, yeah. right? But the turning point for him was for sure. I don't have this like um, uh-huh. hardcore burning zeal against him that a lot of my conservative friends do. Um, at the same time, uh, and further than that, I would actually say if it wasn't for the French restaurant thing, I don't actually think we probably would be doing this at all. I, well, I think yeah, that that it, it was, wouldn't have gotten as much steam as it got. Right. So there was right. so two it was things. Like the happened. moment of inflection, I think, was that though. The, it, it was definitely a moment of inflection. Yeah. There was there was two things that actually happened. So one was so he very famously or infamously, however you want to look at this, uh, was caught going to a dinner at French Laundry, which is this very expensive restaurant in Napa, I want to say, right? It's up north somewhere. I don't know exactly where I, it is. I think it's in Napa. I've never too. been allowed in. <laughs> you know, in fact. <laughs> Listen, unless you're here to yeah, wash dishes, exactly. you are not so, allowed. And it was during the time where he was very uh, adamantly basically telling all Californians to stay, stay home, stay home, to only do if you're going go to go to a restaurant, go outside. Eat through your mask. And apparently this one, this place where they were, it's like one of those like kind of indoor, outdoor kind of scenario, right? right. Where, you, where it really is kind of indoor, but it's sort of outdoor. So, but he got, you know, there was people taking pictures of him, you know, at this very expensive dinner. And that was that was one of the big turning points because people were very offended, very upset because in the middle of this pandemic, in the middle of people losing their businesses, frankly, from all the closing down. Yeah. And then this guy 
seems to be like nonchalant living it up at this very Which I'm sure he was in. I'm sure he was having dinner and talking to people. Sure, and, but but look, the but, but the optics are terrible. Of course. So that and, was one, Charlie. I don't remember the second one is that they got an extension. Right, because that was the other thing. They weren't getting enough enough signatures. They got a I forget how many that was months the other... extension. Yeah, there were, there were two things that contributed here, right? Uh-huh. So, the group that was trying to recall Governor Governor Newsom, basically they went to the courts and they made a case that because of all the all the the stay at home lockdowns, right, they weren't able to be out in the street as much as they would have to get enough signatures to get him, to get uh you know the recall uh, uh done, and they were granted an extension. I forgot for how much time. But it was a combination of getting more time to get the signatures, and then this disaster happens at this restaurant that just <laughs> like steamrolls this entire Snowballed. thing forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and I know we're not talking about Gavin Newsom, um, but a couple of weeks ago it seemed that it was pretty dire, and now it seems like he's pretty confident. So I don't know which is which. Is yeah. it like a Hillary before election night confidence, know, or is it going to be because he doesn't? The, in order to get recalled, you don't need like eighty percent of people to vote for a recall. Well, but, yeah, but here right? in in California, it's it's really tricky because you can get recalled fairly easily. I mean, that's what I mean. It doesn't you, require some like act of God to get recalled. It's yeah, like, you basically the, the bar in, is low. In order lower. to not get recalled in the election, right? So there's a, it's a two stage process. One, you have to first vote whether or not you want to have correct the governor recalled, right? And if he gets more than fifty percent, like fifty one percent of a vote saying no to recall, then that ends, right? He he stays in, in in government. If it's what less than you said, if it's more than half, right? So if more he gets, than if half, he gets say, more than half, then they say no no to the recall, no to the re- got it, yeah, right? Yeah, then yeah. he stays in office. Yeah. If it's less than half, right, then it goes to the second thing, which is then based on whoever has popular. Basically, based on popular demand, yeah, the like most the number one, yeah, the f- could get could the first become, whoever the first loser is could become the governor, right? Yeah. Now, so it, it really creates a dynamic where with very little votes, all of a sudden sure. you have someone in, in 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 office that has no business being in office. That in any other kind of general election, there is no way they'll have yeah any kind of shot. And the one that keeps on getting the most press is that um, conservative um, uh, radio host um, Larry Elder. Larry Elder, thank you. Um, and by the way, there was a thing he said mm-hmm. earlier this week that I, I didn't even think it was worth it. It was such a ridiculous thing for, for him to get any shit on. Did, did you hear about this? No. He was on an interview with uh, Candace Owens mm-hmm. uh, on her podcast, and mm-hmm. he made a comment about how slave owners could also be asking for reparations, right? Mm-hmm. But it was one of those things where it's not that he was advocating for it, which is the way it was totally presented in social media. Sure. It's more he's making a case that, hey, if you're going to go down and try to like make this case about reparation. These guys could have a case because it was legal, whether we like it or not, whether we think it was horrific or not, it was legal. I'm not making this case for him. I'm simply no, no, saying I that he's what making saying. a they, theoretical yeah. comparison. And, on that. and then he's like, oh, this guy is now pushing for state it's voter, be state reparations. But I am actually excited to uh, to vote in um, – I just don't know how to do it, so you're going to have to walk me through it. I'm one of those people that needs further education. With all this uh, mail in ballot, in the mail. That's it. That's Super it. easy. I don't know. I might screw that up, <laughs> knowing me. Um, but it, yeah, you know, in, in other very different news, have you watched the new uh, film, Marvel film, Shang Chi? Of course, I did. What did you think? On. I, you know what? To be honest, I, I actually liked it a lot more than I expected. Mm-hmm. My bar was pretty low. Okay, you're a pretty skeptical person as really see no, these kind of films. No, yeah, I, superhero films. Come on, man. You're I like brutal. superhero. No, but I like superhero films. I just like them when they're good. And the last few that have come, like COVID films, like Wonder Woman was an abomination. It was the worst. Wonder movie Woman ever. two, right? No, eighty four. Wonder Woman eighty four yeah, yeah. was horrific. Um, and what other movies I, come out? I since agree then? with you on that. What other movies come out? Like uh, big, the, big uh, Avengers. The one? the the one um, Black Widow. 
It just came Black, out. Black, yeah, that's, I'm sorry. That just does not look. You I haven't did, watched it. You can't. I know I have it. That's right. That's why I've, I, I've, I've, I've withheld my comment on the other than to say it's just very unattractive to go see it. But um, but no, I wanted to see this one. I wanted to see it. I just my bar was lower. I didn't say it was terrible, but my bar was low and it overdelivered. I thought it was funny. I thought it was well written. I thought the immediate jumping into action is very cool because a lot of time with these Avengers, it's a slow burn. Especially those first films, right? Was a lot of yeah. background story. I know I'm calling it Avengers, and there's some like just total comic nerd going, "What are you talking about? It's not Avengers. Marvel doesn't mean it's Avengers." But you know right, what I mean? Right. It's a, yeah. a superhero movie. There's usually like this like very slow – and then all of a sudden there's like a big thing and it's like, wow. This one was like, boom, that bus scene right at the very beginning. I thought the the action sequences were really well Action sequences were great. Really well done. The um, the kung fu was really good. I love all the Easter eggs to Kung Fu Hustle, which is one of my favorite movies. That is a great movie. I've seen that, yeah. Great movie. I've seen it a bunch of times, yeah. Great movie and a bunch of Easter eggs in that movie. And there's actually a couple of the actors who were in it were in it. I don't know if you remember. Oh, really? I did not know that. um, I forget his name. uh, The Archer, the guy who was teaching uh, Aquafina archery at the very end. He is the landlord of the tenement in Kung Fu Hustle. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. I did not know that. Yeah. And then Michelle Yeoh is awesome. I love, you know, I love all the stuff she does. And she's a great martial artist too and uh so i so i I liked all of it um the cgi and all that stuff just off the dial i mean amazing there was a couple of scenes that i thought kind of dragged a bit but all told it it over delivered and then it had two after scenes like after the credits where people i think were expecting one and it had two so all in all it was good and it's like box office gold right it's doing really well it's done really really well uh, for Labor Day weekend, apparently set a new record. Uh, but I guess historically they don't put out that kind of film in Labor Day weekend, which I don't is know. but great. Look at this time. What's the dude's name? Simu something. Yeah, Simon Simon Liu, I think. Yeah, yeah. I I know him from primarily from watching uh, Kim's Convenience Store, which is a great show. Yeah, we talked. You, you talked, talked about, about it a lot. Yeah. I've never seen that one though. It's a pretty it's a pretty good show. I will. I haven't talked He's got to some good skills, um, that dude. Yeah, I would, love, I would love to hear the perspective from like Asian Americans. I haven't had a conversation. Oh, which I will ask you tonight. I'm gonna I'm gonna see someone. Uh-huh. So, uh huh. So I'm gonna ask about that. Hopefully they've seen it. Um, if they liked it or not. Yeah, I'm curious about how authentic the story was. Yeah. Because to me, it felt very authentic. It felt like complex characters. Well, that's, by the way, that's the other part I liked about it: the multi generational aspect, the grandma, the fact that like some of the the younger people spoke uh, Ch- Chinese, or I don't yeah. know if it's traditional or Mandarin, whatever the version is. And some didn't, and they were like kind of like ragging on the ones that didn't a little bit. Right. Like it, it, that's real. That like I understand that even with yeah. it, with an English Spanish thing. I so did. I, it I felt liked very relatable that. from for all those reasons, right? Even the bad guy was a complex character himself. Yeah, which I love that about it. The only thing, I mean, like now we're picking nits, but they they seemed a little old to be like valet parkers. You know what I mean? Like right, it just right, that right. seemed a little unrealistic. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that like a college thing, maybe right out of college. But these guys are like in they're their just, 30s, right? And they're, they're – yeah, yeah. I don't know. Just that, that part was – you know. But that was a pretty pretty good film. All right. So how do we go from um, Marvel Kung Fu there to was, uh, Supreme Court and abortion? So there was so much news going out last week. And, of course, because we actually were recording our, um, our one-year anniversary episode, we actually didn't get a chance to touch on a number of these topics, right? But – you know, the second this kind of hit, you know, we, we knew immediately we had, we had to talk about it. So, you know, in our deep dive, we wanted to get into what uh, what happened um, this past week uh, based on the decision by the Supreme Court um, on, on the decision on what happened around Texas, right? And they're, they're basically their new law they put in place for, for stopping some of the abortions there that happened in, in the state. And what we thought was a good sort of starting point for this conversation is there was actually a really interesting piece that was mm-hmm. put together by The Hill. Mm-hmm. Right, and the argument that the Hill is making is specifically is that by the uh, by the Supreme Court deciding not to take on, not to block this law, 
they're actually opening up, to some extent, the floodgates of actually being able to go after a number of other constitutional rights uh, based on the same kind of logic of law that was put in place, which mm-hmm. I thought was really interesting. So just to kind of recap, and I'm sure everyone's heard it, so we'll go very quickly, is, of course, Supreme Court voted, right, four to five um, to refuse to block the Texas law banning abortion after six weeks, which is, you know, Roe versus Wade, that's uh, 20, uh, what is it, 24 weeks, right? What, 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 uh, what Roe versus Wade uh, basically no, no, Roe versus Wade on a federal level allows abortion any time from day one to the end of the ninth month. State laws have different uh, viability uh, requirements. Interesting. So, yeah, yeah. The, I read it, at least what, what somebody's article references, they actually talk about a, a 24 week. Uh, that is, that's up to 24 weeks. Yeah. So, uh, and I'll, I'll look it up in the background, okay. but, but there's a but, difference but, between but, the federal one, federal laws, and what they provide, and then the way that they're applied at the, at the local level. Got it. Some so states, that may be the more common way that, way that it's applied. Mm-hmm. But bottom line, it's a massive drop from terms of the time that women have literally to make the decision whether or not they want to abort. Although here on this, just two quick things before, because mm-hmm. there's so much to put out here. I want to just kind of pick at it as you as you unfold some of this mm-hmm. stuff. So one of them is, um, you know, when you really start hearing the party, the 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 talking points is and here's a talking point that I've read pretty consistently across articles. It's very difficult to find any conservative viewpoint on this issue. Almost everything that I read was mm-hmm. at best a kind of moderate but mostly kind of left leaning leaning. And the line is, you know, that the Texas bill, which by the way, the the court didn't rule on anything. They basically said they're not going to hear they just, well, they right, ruled they're, they're, not to rule. They on ruled it. not to rule. Correct. Exactly. It's not like they're creating something new. Because, like, when I first heard of this, I was like, "Wait a minute! Is there? There was something in contention, and they came down on one side or another. They basically chose not to hear, which is basically is, right. right. And the same mm-hmm. way that they chose not to hear the uh, election thing. I mean, again, I'm not saying they're the same thing. I'm just saying right. they chose not to do it. But the but the little uh, soundbite that I consistently hear is you know banning abortions at six weeks which is earlier than most women know they're pregnant or something along those lines. Like you literally, that line is almost Mm -hmm. in every single article. Correct. And the interesting thing about that is um, I actually looked at the data and more than two thirds of all abortions happen right now before any of this stuff with pregnancies that are eight weeks or less right now. In other words, like most of them happen within that time frame. Does that, are those abortion or are those people taking uh, contraceptives afterwards? Well, because I think if you take that out, people that are taking the, the morning after pill, those are people that know that they are at least at high risk. And I'm guessing that's going to drop down the number significantly for those that go and they abort. According to, See what I'm yeah, the, the stat that I'm getting here is from the Guttmacher Institute. The Guttmacher Institute catalogs all of abortion statistics. It's actually a left wing institute, mm-hmm. not a not a right wing thing. And according to them, two thirds of abortions occurred at eight weeks of pregnancy or earlier and 88% in the first 12 weeks. So, and I, I don't know if this includes uh, chemical, uh, or I'm sorry, like whatever you want to define, however you want to define that, but mm-hmm. it, it's total. I guess what I'm saying is that the the talking point, the, the way that I hear it is, this is going to ban abortions in cases that are six weeks, you know, later than six weeks, right? Correct. And most women don't even know they're pregnant at six weeks. It makes it seem like what's going to happen is, by virtue of this, a lot of women who don't know they're pregnant, they're not going to find out they're pregnant after the cutoff, that kind of thing, right? Yeah. But it doesn't explain how come the majority of abortions now 
are happening in that wind, eight weeks or less. Well, now, there could be a big difference between six and eight weeks, potentially. I, I, there could be a massive difference. Also think, depending on what data you're looking at, right? This piece at least mentioned that according to abortion providers in Texas, mm-hmm. they estimate that 85% of patients seeking abortions are at least six weeks pregnant. And we would den- basically would deny this care under law, so which is like the complete opposite of what you just said. Now, I can't, I don't know both sources to say which one is right or which well, one gut, isn't. Gutmacher is but, like but my, the national standard. Correct. So, yeah. Which could be the case, once again. And I think yeah. part of when you look at that, the only thing that I would, the only thing I would question would be is if it includes morning after pill and things like that, which yeah, I understand. And I don't it, know. And it probably, I would assume it would. It, it would be the kind of thing like that, would, that would, I would assume, lower significantly. But in, but in any case, I mean, like the reality is, for 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 some at least we can probably mm-hmm. agree that for at least for some women there is a likelihood and maybe some depending on where you sit on it maybe a high likelihood that you could be sitting here at six week and not know you're pregnant. Yes, right. So I think I'm there, sure that that's, that's definitely a scenario, right? Yes. Now, what's interesting about this law is that it was it was crafted in a way specifically to evade judicial review because it's empowering private parties, right? As not opposed the to the state, state, not the state, right? Which is. And if it was the state, this is part it goes back to the why I started unpacking the why Supreme Court decided not to take on even looking at this, right? Decided not to rule on it. Um, that has that plays a major, major effect, right? So we talked about a little bit about the law. It, it basically to be clear, it actually is a it's it's around six weeks, but really what it is defines it as it bans abortions once cardiac activity can be detected in the embryo, mm-hmm. right? Which is I think part of what they call the heart rate uh, or the heartbeat laws, right? Right, which is around six weeks, although it can happen earlier. Yeah, so I, I don't know then what that means, right? Maybe it, then it's slightly earlier, I guess, mm-hmm. in those cases. Uh, the law does not make any exceptions for rape or incest, although it does have some narrow exceptions, specifically like if if not aborting is, is putting the the, the, the the mother at risk of dying, right? And I think it was another, I forget what the second one was. Uh, and then the law bars state officials from actually enforcing it. Like this is a key part of this law, right? It's designed, it's intended to make it difficult to challenge the courts. So instead what it does, is it actually deputizes private citizens to sue anyone who either performs an abortion or aids in a best procedure. Now, right? can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. So that seems like super, in a way, kind of Machiavellian, right? Super, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's, it's in, like a, in a way, it's, genius. It's, it's evil genius kind <laughs> yeah, of yeah. really, you know, but on the other side of it, I mean, maybe super effective. My question is, what's, do you know what the case being made as to how the person being sued has been damaged? In other words, is it a broader societal fabric kind I, of argument? You know in other what? words, you know, abortions understand. are bad? That's the part I didn't understand. That's like the, how that's are the you, how, how, like how you even can put this in effect. Right. You when know? you're sued, when you sue someone, it's because right. you've suffered. Damage. Right. Right. Some now, damage. I, I definitely can see the case, and I would agree with it, that abortion is bad, period, for just society. But is that the idea that you're basing your lawsuit on? Well, the, the the thing about this is that it can – I mean it has to be something really, really broad because it allows for any plaintiff that has no connection to the to the patient or even anywhere physically located anywhere to be able to sue them. Be, right. Right. So it, it, that's kind of crazy. Like you could literally be anywhere and still sue this person or p- people involved in the process, right? And they get to cover, cover mm-hmm. their legal fees as well as 10 grand if they win. And there's no limitations for how many people can sue the person. So if one person gets – an abortion, you could have a thousand like people sue them all for ten grand each. Bonanza, right? So now you got a right. million dollars, you know, settlement potentially yeah, that's out there. It's kind of crazy that none of these it's articles crazy. talked about. That's crazy, but to none me. of them talked about the like what you're suing for. What's the argument? But what, I think what is really, really interesting, right? Which is kind of goes back to the how, how more do we, interesting than that. How do we even get get here, right? Um, 
Now, uh, the, the, the thing is that this law was in part designed mm-hmm. by former Texas Solicitor General Jonathan Mitchell, right? Now, in a 2018 Virginia Law Review article, he wrote that a defendant has no entitlement to attorney's fees when he asserts his constitutional rights defensively in a private enforcement action, which is what this would be considered, right? Mm-hmm. And the need to foot one's own legal bill may induce statutory compliance even for those who expect to prevail on their constitutional objections. And like that little quote, and like this piece specifically by the Hills, are like, oh man, this is scary when you, when you think about that sort of, once again, a Machiavellian sort of mindset, right? Because this could be more plainly interpreted as the threat of expensive litigation could literally bully people into surrendering to their constitutional rights, right? By the way, or any of them, right? Not just the ones that are associated with, with abortion, right? Um, and that's really what this piece really makes the argument is that by using the same kind of logic, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're putting a whole number of other constitutional rights kind of at risk, right, depending on where you are in the state. Freedom of speech, gun rights, freedom of religion, discrimination laws. If the way to go about basically circumventing uh, federal law and constitutional rights is by simply making them, making them all private matters. Yeah. Right. Because the result of this has been a number of these, and at least from what if you know from what has been reported, of all of these clinics closing down immediately because they just can't take the risk of having everyone suing them. Now, I'm guessing someone's going to have to like basically step up because part of the reason why the you know Supreme Court didn't do anything about it is saying like, well, this could also be put into effect and no one does anything with it. So therefore, we can't rule something that has a law that hasn't actually been broken. There's no enforcing me- mechanism. But the threat of it is really making for those individual, you know, um, I forget exactly how, to close down right away. I forget how it was worded to um, Amy Coney Barrett when she was going through her, what is it called? When they, their uh, confirmation? confirmation hearings. But they talked to her about Roe v. Wade. And she, the distinction that she made was, you know, there was like categories of settled law. The settled law where there is no contention, meaning like um, – you know, Dred Scott and decisions like that, where you're talking about, you know, the definition of what the different the definition of human being or personhood with respect to if you're black, white, or another race, and no one can no one contests that. See what mm-hmm. I'm saying? I forget how she actually classified it, but she put that she put um, Roe versus Wade in not that level of category. That yeah, it's not a category where there's still – you can't say that there's no contention, that people don't have different viewpoints, that there's not legal uh, challenges that are being brought up. And there are very real outstanding questions legally in the case of Roe v. Wade is when is a person a person, right? So I guess what I'm saying is that you know, the idea that this – the argument that the Hill piece makes is about the impact of this kind of logic on other constitutional rights. That are contested. Specifically. So freedom of speech, definitely contested, right? Okay, but, but how is the fundamental contested? I mean, you can contest what is speech or not, but not that you should have it. Who's saying we shouldn't no, have freedom of speech? Well, it's, it's not that we should. The question is not whether or not you should have freedom of speech because of, as it is right now, you mm-hmm. don't have full freedom of speech. There's certain things you can or can't say. There's certain things that are protected or not protected, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So the in terms of the what falls under the contested or doesn't or allowed or doesn't, I think that would be a contested element. It's not about whether or not people should have freedom of speech. It's what elements of it can be basically taken to court, mm-hmm. right? Depending on where, where you stand, part of this will be a perfect argument like in the case of like Donald Trump. Right, mm-hmm. him being accused of like you incited a riot, you incited a, a you know an attack on on Capitol Hill, 
should that be protected speech when you're specifically saying something? Now, of course, we can argue about whether or not that's like what he actually did, but I'm more, making more the point about that will be a type of contested speech that falls within freedom of speech. But then you start making the distinction like, well, calling fire versus or saying go and kill this person versus implying it, there is becomes this gray line all of a sudden. That, yeah. And the question here becomes you're taking the, the Supreme Court saying, we don't have anything to do with it because it's a private matter. Now you're putting all of the private matter, people decide within each other whether or not by just simply suing people, you sue enough people and you make it a big enough financial sort of pain, all of a sudden someone may actually take a step back and, and actually take on or or, re, or give up some of their constitutional rights because they can't afford it. Yeah. Or they're afraid of what happens if it doesn't work out. See what I'm saying? So yeah. I think even that one definitely falls. Gun rights for sure falls in it. Right? That's a very contested item depending on where, where we are. Um, I would think even freedom of religion. I, mm. I think that will probably fall in there as well in terms mm. of what, you know, to what degree can you support or should we allow for different types of religion? And the more extreme it gets, the more it starts to kind of push at the boundaries as to what it, what's, what's allowed and what isn't. Yeah. I know there are people who, and I don't know enough about this because I get quickly out of my depth on these mm-hmm. things, but I know that there are people who actually do not agree that abortion was granted constitutional rights, but that it was tucked into the idea of the right of privacy guaranteed by the fourth Amendment, yeah. right? So the, the, idea the reason that, why you're saying, right? The, right. So yeah, like, yeah. The, so the idea of saying, hey, free speech, religion, and abortion are not in the same grouping. I know mm-hmm. that there's people who 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 say that. Yeah. And again, it, it, I would actually respect that more, don't you think? Like, if the question here is that this court does not agree with with Roe versus Wade, mm-hmm. that they think it should be overturned, then. Admit, like not taking on this, leaving it. At a, that's the part I don't understand. Where you're trying to, it's like literally. Like I, when I mentioned this topic to you, I was joking, sort of, it's like burying your hand in the sand. It's like pretending like it's not, like exactly what just happened is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like it's one thing to say, hey, I don't believe the arguments that were made, right, were actually the right ones. We don't think that actually that, therefore, it shouldn't be constitutional. So let's rebring it up. Let's take it on. I may disagree with that. I may not be completely against what they're saying. But at least I can respect the fact that they're taking it on head on. This seems like such a cop out, mm-hmm. and it really is like Machiavellian. We too, it's a it's a perfect word to describe yeah. the way that they got. And by the way, not this. all the Machiavellian things are I- immediately bad. The term has now become it's bad. It does. Yeah. It, it just like means somebody who's yeah. like really strategically clever. But right. but the the connotation, I can understand why somebody would use it, and I don't understand it. I don't understand exactly what people are being damaged. I don't get why. I mean, other than it being very effective, yeah. I don't. It's the one thing. What that the argument me, is for the damage? Yeah, yeah I, don't, I, I don't know. I didn't see anything it's, that's, it's, that makes it's that definitely case. the thing that gives me pause about it because you know everything else i i, I want every abortion to go away uh, you know there's over still a million abortions a year you know in the u.s and um i know also because my wife is post-abortive she has had an abortion i know the kind of emotional and other risks that happen uh, you know and, and and all of the the reasons why not mm-hmm. not the least of which you know i i believe in the science and i and i know that you know the moment that there's um fertilization you've got a new person with unique dna you know their ethnicity you know their gender you know everything about them and they're distinct from the mother and that i believe that no matter what we should try to preserve the life of that child and that's my position. So I'm happy about the outcome, but you know, part of my belief system is, you know, because we've talked about mm-hmm. issues, is that you know the the ends don't justify the means, right? So you don't do something bad so that something good may happen, right? And so that's what gives me pause about this because when I read it, it's like, wow, here's a super. Cl- ne- they never thought about this. Oh my right. gosh, we've got them. It's amazing. Yeah. And that to me gives me a lot of pause. 
because yeah. it, it seems like we're doing something that's that's we're doing something maybe on one end is straight up unethical on another another end it's a little bit of a wink and a nod but either mm-hmm. way doesn't feel straight as a way to achieve this very good noble end which is in my opinion having zero abortions so that's why I'm like I, I wish I could kind of throw my hands up and go, yeah, this is awesome, but but I've got that reservation. Now maybe I'm just ignorant. I haven't read everything about it, but it just it on its face it reads weird. Yeah, and maybe there once to your point, maybe there is someone that's covered this better. I, I sure didn't find it. Did I mean, I? You know, it was interesting, and not that one. There's such different topics, but to tie it back to superhero movies, mm-hmm. I also watched the other day uh, Suicide Squad, right? And John Cena plays a new character called Peacemaker, right? Um, now, his character literally says, I believe in peace so much, I'm willing to kill every woman, mother, and child, whatever, right, to, to, uh, to attain every man, woman, and child yeah. to attain it. Yeah. That's what this sounds like to me. Mm. It's like you're so pro-life, and I'm throwing massive air quotes, yeah. that you're willing to throw it out of the wind yeah. just to, to achieve your, your means, right? Because yeah. that's the way this it, reads to me. And it I, could be. And the second I heard this and I heard the why, mm-hmm. I had the exact same thinking, which is I was, I was actually glad. I feel like I was in the same sort of mindset of what these guys were saying. Is like, I'm thinking like, well, why couldn't you do that from gun rights immediately in California? Be like, hey, I don't agree with people having assault rifles, but I'm not going to make it a federal or, or like, you know, a state issue. I'm not going to make a state issue or a city issue. I'm just going to allow people to sue each other for it. Mm-hmm. Right? And see what happens. And see what happens. Like and the like, marketplace of, of lawsuits. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know who gets to win in all this? Is lawyers. Yeah. Right? And but the but, but, but the thing that I... And, and now, I what do you... But what, yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, you know, you and I are, are in the complete opposite camps on this one, right? Because for me, and this is like, I, I, when I hear this thing, it really bothers me a lot that... Um, I'll give you a really quick story. So I mm-hmm. was having, um, I was um, at the park the other day with my daughter. Mm-hmm. We're about to go play like tennis and basketball. We do a bunch of stuff. And I don't even know how we got into this whole conversation about running marathons. And uh, we were, t- she was, she, was, she brought something up about women's rights. It was nothing, nothing to do with this, by the way. Just something to do with, with women playing in sports, I think is what it was. Women playing in sports. And I said, like, well, you know, over time, it wasn't always that way. You know, obviously times have changed quite a bit. And many times women were not allowed to do a number of these things, you know, a number of these things, even things that you take for granted. As an example, running, right? She's like, what do you mean? Like, that's a very famous photo of the first woman that ran the Boston Marathon. And I showed it to her. And she was like, like this kid, nine-year-old kid, Couldn't little girl process. could not understand. But why? Like, why wouldn't they let her run? Like, why would they try to pull her off? And like, mm-hmm. what happened? And I'm sure now the people talking about it. And I'm like, well, this is the... Part of the challenge of, of, of how views change over time, and in many cases, we haven't always treated women with the respect that they deserve. And, and that's actually my you know, big point of view that I have, of course, even having a daughter. And when I think about this, the challenge that I – my argument, the one I think about it, the reason why I'm so pro-choice is that I actually agree with you more in the sense of thinking about life when it begins at the moment of inception, not thinking about after a certain number of weeks. Because if you think about a certain number of weeks, I think part of the argument you hear, I literally heard it today in Joe Rogan. He was talking yesterday, this, among other things, but this came up. And he was saying, have you seen a picture of what a baby looks like after, you know, uh, six weeks? And they make some comment about the size of whatever. I'm like, and then they're like almost making an argument that therefore that's why white, like this makes no sense because of what it looks like at that point. I'm like, well, yeah, but you give it enough time and like time and basically just time and, and, well, and the, nourishment, the, yeah. then the question it will is, continue what is to it? grow. Right. It will, it? it will continue to grow, right? right. So, so that's why I don't like that argument of saying mm-hmm. it should be within a certain time. Your argument is who decides? 
Yeah, but my issue with that, okay, so if we all, if we do agree that life begins at moment of inception, and if given the right nourishment and time, it will grow, unless something medically happened, of course, into a full-grown baby, then I'm not for the idea that the second a woman is pregnant, mm-hmm. that she loses all ability to make a decision about what happens to her at that moment on. And that's what I have a really hard, like, sure. hard time with. Yeah, and you're... And, you're and so I'm, I'm almost, mm-hmm. I'm actually the opposite. I would say... As harsh as may actually sound, I would I, I actually don't think we should have any restrictions for abortion. But what would you say to the person who says that they agree with what you just said, but they're not talking about what the woman is doing with her body? They're concerned about the woman is going to do with another body. That, that's right. But in order for you to be able to put the concern about the other body in front of the woman's body, then you have to, by definition, put her at a lower status. I disagree. They can be both the, the same. The reason, the reason you, no, you can't put them both the same because the, you're taking away the right of her making a decision. So you can't well, say that, they, that you're yeah, both at the course. exact same level. Of you just can't. You, because if well, you're I, I can, just in the same way, like with my, with my daughter, when it comes time mm-hmm. to what are you going to eat for lunch, I'm at a higher status than she is. Okay, look. I'm deciding pro- for her what she can eat. Right? On a practical level, because somebody has the ability for rational thought and somebody doesn't, yes, you're putting somebody higher because you, they're the ones who can participate in the decision in a way that's different than the baby in the womb. By the way, that's no different than somebody who has dementia. They're 80 years old and sure. somebody's going to care for them. But what I'm saying is at a level of dignity, personhood, morality, to me, they're identical. They're the same. And we should struggle to make sure that they're both cared for in the best way possible. Yeah. Right? I, I get that argument. I just have a hard time of the practical that in order to achieve what you're saying mm-hmm. – then uh, the women, the second they're pregnant, they already are a second status where their baby is the most important part because they lose that ability to make that, that decision. Yeah, I, I mean, I it, guess it's, so. It's but hard. I don't know how to, how to do it otherwise, right? Because right, you can't. But, but, but extend that out then just, you know, go forward 10 months when that baby's a few weeks old and sitting in the crib. Right. Yeah, that's right. What happens then? Yeah, so uh, I would say, once again, I, I go to like, if you look at the extremes, right? Um, I'm not for, and just to be clear, I'm not for like aborting a child. I'm not. I'm mm-hmm. just not. Like I can never think of even the possibility of my daughter not being here, right? But it's because I value her so much that I just have a really hard time with anyone else being there to make the call and taking away her, basically her self-agency because she happens to be pregnant. I agree. And that's that. why Look, I have all this, such a I hard had, time I understand with, with, with that issue. I understand this. And the reason all why of, I wouldn't mm-hmm. put any restrictions on it, because even at the harshest version of it, because it, it, it goes back to the same argument. Either you put what we have right now, a certain period where we say, this is not really a baby until it kind of is a baby, right? You could, you could do it that way. And then that's the cutoff. Or simply say, no, the reality is this will become a person. There's, there's and no, therefore either treated one way or the other. There's no serious embryo, em, embryologist, pediatrician, even doctor of any stripe, mm-hmm. who looks at a uh, fetus and says this is not a member of the human family. What there seems to be some questions about is whether or not that that is a person. This distinction, in my opinion, is completely manufactured and kind of doesn't mean anything. My point is that the decision that you are saying you feel very uncomfortable taking away from anyone uh-huh. is the decision, if we just call things what they are, the decision to end a life. Correct. That's what you're str- – so why wouldn't your dis- – why wouldn't you have a problem with the decision for someone else to end a life? We're, in other but, words – But once again, in order for me to, to be on your camp, then mm-hmm. you have to put women at a second – like basically a second position where their agency, their ability to have full agency over their body 
takes a step back the second that they're that they're pregnant. And and but I just yeah, don't agree with that. I understand I, I that. I wouldn't agree with that. with that either, the way you just phrased it. But the way that I but, look but at it is much more it's not. The, he, it's here, much more after, simple. What we're saying here, it's, look, it's killing killing people try, is they, not something that we should have agency over. Think, think about this. That's think, the issue. think about it this case. In this case, they're saying six weeks, right? For Texas. What if they had said a week? Mm-hmm. Would you have a fundamental difference or view or issue that says Oh, after a week, it's a little bit less human, so therefore no. I feel a little different. Of course not, right? Okay, so we agree. So if that's the case, then now we're saying that that woman, after a week, they don't have any say anymore of what happens to them. Now their sole purpose is to be basically to, to bring this child to life, mm-hmm. right? Well, the child I is disagree. alive. I disagree. Well, bring this child all the way through through um, um, birth, through birth, all the way through birth. Correct. Right? You believe right. they should I'm be simply saying that I'm to simply saying end that, that person's life is what you believe. Correct. Because yeah. the alternative, right? And the reason is because the alternative is having women who have second position, as far as I'm concerned, where they lose their ability to have self agency. Right. The you're, that you you put the baby in second position. C- correct. Okay. I, I put I put the okay. mother first, correct? I okay. do, and I do. Yeah. I mean, I've got to be a hundred percent honest. Yeah. Well, because at least... because the alternative would be to take away that right from the women, and therefore have a government decide whether or not they can do it. Because that's only there's only two ways to enforce it. Or in this case, maybe have just private citizens by suing the hell out of each other yeah, be the knows. way that you enforce it. Maybe yeah. that's the third option that we never actually had talked about before. My, but my, that's the other. My other solution is value both the child and the mother equally. Give the mother as much support and resource and opportunity and potential. If, you, if the mother doesn't want the child, give the child up for adoption. I'm an adoptive parent. I have adoptive friends. Mm-hmm. There's lots of people who want kids. Give the kid a chance. But you could do the same thing with, with a woman retaining her choice to, to do as she wants to do. You could still provide her support. You could of still course. give her guidance. And you I could agree still... that you should. I just don't think that a so person should die to that. do that. That's it, all. Should, it doesn't take away from that, right? But yeah. what, it, what it does do is, is does just take away their ability, right, in terms of deciding. I think, you look, know. you're being very it, consistent it, with your argument. I disagree with it, but at least you know you're what, consistent. Um, you know. What's interesting, I was on a conversation the other day, uh, and I don't need to mention who I was talking to, but they made a, a very controversial argument and in front of, like, a lot of women. Which saying like, look, he believes this person was speaking, and I'm not sure how liberal. I think he's very man liberal. or woman, man, man uh-huh. yes, that the only reason why, as humans, we're here on Earth is to procreate, mm-hmm. is to have children, and therefore the only the only real value he's putting, frankly, on women is to to have basically have kids. And his argument, he he even goes to the point and said that he was some study that he read that actually like d- dug into the issue, like why do we need grandmothers? They can't have kids with kids anymore. What why do we as humans do we need grandmothers? I'm like. Dude, you're Yikes. super extreme in your, your point of view. Like, like pretty sure like Hitler but, thought but, that. But but the but the point, the reason I bring that up is that I feel there's a little bit of that going on in this in this in this issue. I think look, I think I'm super, super clear. My position is treat both people the same way, and my position is don't kill one of them. That's my position. And treat them equally. Don't put mom above kid, don't put kid above mom. Try to take care of both of them. And no matter how bad it is for the mom, it's not gonna get better killing your kid. I think it's really straightforward. And then anything beyond that about the science, like the science is just not on anyone's side that is saying that this is not a human that's growing. We go through right. all different phases. It doesn't make it not easy, uh, not difficult. It is a super difficult thing. Super difficult, especially in the cases of rape and incest. Sure. Especially in the cases of rape and incest, because now you've got to like have this trauma and whatever. And even then, even in those cases, the rapist should be punished Put away forever. We don't punish the child. Like it's, it, you see, what I'm saying. So, like to me, the, the, it's a, a super simple thing. Doesn't make yeah. it easy. 
Yeah, yeah. But, no, it, I, but, but to I'm, me, it's... I'm usually not in the camp of arguing that in, in certain scenarios, then it makes it okay. I'm more for like... No, I understand. It should just be like, that's the option. And I understand. And your, and your point, we can move on. Your point is consistent, at least logically. You do... You do know what abortion is. Hmm? Despite what abortion is, you believe that the mother should still be given that right. And you believe the mother has more say or is more valuable or whatever than the child. You're being consistent. Yeah. And yeah. The only thing I will say is not given. I think it is her right, which is, which is different. Okay. It is her right, right to end someone else's life is what I'm saying. You're being at least consistent mm-hmm. because there are people who say, this isn't alive. This isn't a thing. This is a clump of cells, blah, 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 all this other stuff. People want to feel, you know, I don't know. That's my, my opinion diff- is that I think it makes people feel a little bit better about the situation. Well, um, of course. It's a very difficult situation. And like I said, I, because my, well, my wife is and I work with post-abortive women, it's a difficult thing for a long time. Women don't get a chance to express their grief. They don't yeah, get a no, chance to. They, I, they, I've known a number of women that have had abortions. And they really struggle with it. And then they had kids later on as now adults. And abortion in high school was really, really hard. One of my really good friends opened up to me like years later. I didn't realize this even happened and that she was going through that. And she was like really destroyed by it. And then later on, um, like as in her late 20s, I think she had her yeah. first kid. You know, had a child and now has, you know, two beautiful kids. And it's, sure. it's worked out very well for her at of the end course. of the day. And, and she's a happy person. And. I just but you talk to those women and they remember when that child's birthday would have been. They have course, all those same but, but thoughts that, and all that stuff. I completely agree yeah. with that. And hopefully people are not heartless. I'm not saying people should be heartless of about course. it. I'm just yeah. more about the who should have yeah. who should have to say. By the way, in just mm-hmm. out of I don't know if it's pure coincidence or what, but also they just happened today that in a unanimous ruling, Mexico Supreme Court just ruled today that they're uh, that uh, they're penalizing abortion is going to be is unconstitutional right so there's a court there is a, a basically in, in this, Mexico in Mexico in the state oh, wow. of Coahuila right there is a law that mandates that up to three years of jail for women who elect to have an abortion actually violated the Mexican constitution mm-hmm. so they're and they're basically now apply it to the rest of the, of the country of course right. because it's part of the federal law which is going to open up uh, the ability for Mexico to have abortion because it's really only available in three of its uh, of its main uh, federal entities, right? Oaxaca, mm-hmm. Hidalgo, and, and Veracruz. Uh, and I guess it's well in Mexico City. Yeah, and, and that's a whole other topic. Which is crazy because as, gotta, as, a, as yeah. a country that's super Catholic, mm-hmm. um, the fact that they're, you know, being, frankly, in this case, sound more progressive than what we're doing here is, is really interesting. Yeah, well, I don't know that the government and the religiosity of the people are necessarily one and the same. Um but um, anyway, lots to talk about, and it won't be the last one because there's another big old uh, Roe v. Wade bill that's apparently on the docket for the next session. So yep. I'm sure this one will be back. Um, all right, let's let's uh, let's go to courage or cringe. Courage or cringe. I love that. Sound enter, effect. enter sound effect. I love that sound effect. That's hilarious. I would have uh, never picked that, by the way, if it wasn't for you. I, I honestly, I would have just gone, uh, go to, got, got something much more like atmospheric <laughs> and kind of interesting. This is like very much like something's about to explode. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why All I right. liked it. All right. Courage so or cringe? First, a really interesting one. Uh, El Salvador, the country, uh, becomes first country to <laughs> thank adopt. You for, thank you for qualifying Bitcoin that. as a national currency. You know, there's someone that's going to be like. <laughs> What is that? <laughs> Come on, El Salvador. What part of Mexico is that? What part? That's so funny. That's, That's probably true, mean, right? It's its own country. Now yeah, to make it so, more confusing, their capital is also Salvador, Salvador, San Salvador. San Salvador, right? So it's reported right. by the Wall Street Journal. Uh, El Salvador just became the first country in the world to adopt Bitcoin mm-hmm. as legal tender, right? Which will allow Salvadorians to use cryptocurrency to buy goods, cutting products, edge, services. baby. Yeah, cutting edge. Coffee, haircuts, even pay taxes or, or home loans. All right. 
I love the name of the uh the, oh, the I wallet. Chivo. <laughs> of course, the launch was immediately bumpy, right? So at the uh, as it immediately had some technical glitches and had to be brought down um, its e wallet at least temporarily, right? Mm-hmm. Now El Salvador plans to spend more than two hundred twenty five million in the rollout, including a thirty dollar credit in Bitcoin to those who take up Chivo. Slang for cool. <laughs> and that's the e-wallet. It's like, the, it's like yeah. the, I mean, first of all, I've never heard the term chivo, chivo. but I'm sure it's, yeah. it's a very common one. But I just hope it's not as uncool as saying the word cool. Because if it's like like the word cool. <laughs> it's automatically it's uncool? It's terrible. It's terrible, It might be. Right? The, I mean, like, first of all, the government's picking it. So how uh, cool can it be? That's what I'm saying. It's like the, the Although, most you know, you uncool know name. But you know what's weird about the word cool is young people still use it. I mean, I it's, know, it, it's, it's it may not be as, yeah. it's not dope, but it's uh, still okay <laughs> to say cool. Chivo is probably like yeah, gnarly or something yeah, yeah. like, you know, uh, what's another terrible one, terrible expression, like tubular or something, uh, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's what Chivo probably means. I have no idea. So, you know, when this launched, the state-run wallet wasn't showing up in major app stores. Others, there was other issues such Perfect. as the amounts not showing up in their wallet, not the right amount has shown up in the wallets, right? Now, the government is also rolling out a network of 200 Bitcoin ATMs and building a chain of stylish Chivo brand kiosks right. with staff who will introduce consumers to Bitcoin at plazas around the country. Get your Chivo here. Now, of course, there can be critics of this move, right? There's economists that say that Bitcoin's sharp fluctuations risk denting the tax revenue and foreign currency reserves for a government that has neither the policy tools nor the financial firepower to contain a speculative attack, right? Uh, but the government officials, they actually believe that Bitcoin will lead to affordable financial services in a country where an estimated 70% of the work operates in vast underground cash-based economy. I think that's actually a pretty interesting, interesting point. Yeah. Now, some also view this as, an, as another step towards financial innovation and diversification because the country actually adopted the U.S. dollar that's right. as its national currency back in 2001, right? Uh, now, while president, I didn't know when that happened, but I, I I didn't realize when that happened. But speaking with some of my friends who are Salvadorians, and they're always talking about you know dollars back home, and it just even before this, right. it kind of clicked for me. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. They There's use actually a couple of countries that, that have, do. Um, Ecuador as well, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, oh, Ecuador does up. too. They do, Ecuador right? does yeah, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a couple of countries that do use it. Um, now, while President uh, Bukele has one of the highest approval ratings among Latin American presidents. Mm-hmm. His initiative, his Bitcoin initiative, is actually pretty unpopular, right? More than 65% of Salvadorians don't want the government to spend tax money, taxpayer money. Why do I just picture trying to convince, like, my mom about Bitcoin and her going, right. like, what? And, like, 80% have little or no confidence in Bitcoin. Uh, well, of course. I mean, people here don't know what the hell Bitcoin is. And then you're trying to explain <laughs> it to, like, the people of uh, San Salvador and say, look, I'm, I promise your money is going to be safe in this thing. It's a wallet. There's a bunch of concerns here. Yeah. Like, there's privacy concerns. You haven't using heard a, of blockchain? You wallet right? <laughs> like, There's that. There's security risk concerns because of funds that are held in Chivo wallets that are state control. But the top concerns will be how to prevent federally regulated banks in the U.S., which provide financial services to banks in El Salvador from basically cutting ties because of the due diligence and compliance risk, right? Because so much of the economy of, of El Salvador is still tied people sending money back, right? Remittances, so that's, yeah. That's right, right? So um, Did you say the percentage? It's twenty. It's quarter. Is it? 25% uh, of their entire economy is, rem- is remittances. That sounds right, though. It's crazy. Um, it's a it huge is, number. It is a huge number. It's also it's a really small country, too. Right? True. Because when we think about the number, right, that was like 225 million, like so little. But it's actually, we think about relative to like that government, I'm sure it's, it's a pretty big chunk, right? So Courage or Cringe, innovating tech solutions or innovative tech solutions for a country that needs more financial independence or disaster waiting to happen for a country that is already in bad financial health. 
Well, Jesus, it's a Bitcoin toss for me, but I'm going to come down on courage. Um, courage. Okay. That's here. What's I think going on? It's super, you know, I'm going to put it in the camp of uh, innovation, even if it's for no good reason. So I appreciate the, <laughs> uh, the PR and marketing value of this announcement because it brings me immediately to the forefront of innovation. And I'm sure very soon I'll be seeing the ads in B2B magazines about come build your startup in San Salvador, right? That'll be yeah. next. So look, I think, it's, I think it's good on that level. Th- this country doesn't have a ton of natural resources. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in terms of exports and the kind of things that other countries do. We already talked about the size of the market in terms of its remittance value. There's a ton of that. And a huge percentage of the population doesn't have like a bank account. You talked about the underground kind of economy or whatever. So I think all those reasons to give them something to be tethered to that isn't their own currency because what value would it have? It isn't the American currency because they're going to be subject to the same you know, fluctuations that we have when they have a very different reality there. Mm-hmm. If they want to have this neutral thing that has volatility, but if they choose to do it as a way to have their kind of economy you know, be independent as it were – then okay, have at it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now, the other, the, the other thing that was a little tiebreaker for me, it's not – they're not making a full switch. They're still keeping the dollar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like their backup mm-hmm. currency, right? So it's like their JV team. Right. So it's, it's like it minimizes the risk for me. So ultimately, you know, just for the investment value, bringing El Salvador to the world stage, I mean what you said earlier, like we're part of Mexico is hysterical. But that's that true. true. If this helps people know that it's actually not part of Mexico, <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I'm courage. Um, I could not agree more, Charlie. Wow. I am courage on this one as well. I think the other thing that could I – would, I would agree with everything you just said. I think the other one that I would add to it – maybe you said it, but uh, – You're going to say it better. Don't worry. No. It's just simply saying that by them being the first country that adopts Bitcoin, mm-hmm. what does that do in terms of investment and innovation in the country? People that are in the Bitcoin market wanting to establish shop there, wanting to really see this kind of work at a larger scale – and what could that then mean to an economy like El Salvador? It's a small enough country that, you know, there may be opportunity to try more things there, to actually drive investment, to drive interest in, 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 the, in the company. You can totally see companies going there and establishing, like, at least some kind of operations there. Sure. Now because of they're there to try to operate and see how, you know, how it's working out. I think that could be a pretty strong move for these guys. The biggest challenge, I think, for a country like this, though, is that, when you think about the amount of corruption that many of these countries have just dealt with over years, is it, that part is not entirely clear to me. It's like, does it help or hurt? Because when you think about Bitcoin, the fact that you can track all transactions. Yeah, it's a centralized ledger. I, I it's all it transparent. Helps. I, mean, I hope it helps. Whole, I mean, that's kind of the, the... The principle the, of it is for it to be transparent. Right, so... so. I, yeah, so that's kind of... I'm going off of that. Of course, my if anybody can it. figure out how to get a scam going, though, it's and it's going to be our people at some point. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, look, for all those reasons, I think it's a bold move. I I, yeah. I, I like the idea of, of also creating a little bit more independence from the U.S. Yeah, uh, cool. in, the, in their currency. So, we'll be keeping an eye on that one. That's really, really interesting. All right, one for one. One for one. Uh, our next one, Courage or Cringe, Rogan Recovery Cheered by Vaccine Skeptics. Two of them talked about Rogan Joe in about Rogan. four minutes. Yeah, so know, now it's right? time it's to... It's been a little while. So as reported by Newsweek, last Wednesday, Joe Rogan announced on his Instagram that he had tested positive for COVID and immediately threw it the kitchen sink at the illness of is what he described. Mm-hmm. He said, look, all kinds of meds, right? Mono, uh, monoclonal uh, antibodies, ivermectin, Z-Pak, Prend- uh, prednisone. Prednisone. Mm-hmm. Prednisone. Everything. Crazy times we're living in, but a wonderful, heartfelt thank you to a modern medicine for pulling out so quickly and easily. And probably some DMT, a little acid, some he, weed, yeah, he does a lot. some uh, cigars. Probably threw that on top of it, too. 
Well, you know, it was interesting with him, and I think for those that are not familiar enough with Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan has also very transparent saying that he is like this big medical experiment. He tries everything, right? Testosterone. He does all kinds of stuff, stuff that is not tested. Hyperbaric, sleep deprivation chambers. And he's very extreme in the stuff that he does, but he's very much in this pursuit of trying to improve himself and obviously takes care of his body quite a bit, but Mm -hmm. he's very loosey-goosey. He's loosey-goosey to himself, but I have to give him credit for actually doing a lot of reading and having a lot of people on to talk about. It's not like he just goes, oh, this is something I heard from one crazy guy on a bus stop. Like he actually does the research generally. Now he can actually speak to the person who's saying the thing directly. Yeah. So he does do some his homework. Yeah, he does. Uh, but he's, he's pretty extreme on some of the things that he does, sure. right? Um, now, as, as it relates to how he felt. He basically described, said, I had a headache and I just felt run down. Just to be cautious, I separated from my family, slept in a different part of the house, and throughout the night, I got fevers and sweats and I knew what was going on. Now, Immediately, there was controversy, of course, right? Because it's Joe Rogan and controversy just follows him. Follows him wherever he goes. And I think from everything that he talked about, probably the biggest thing that, that came up was his use of... of uh, Ivermectin. Ivermectin, right? Which has been labeled uh, by the by media as a horse dewormer, right? It was heavily criticized, resulting in people calling him as basically calling him an idiot for, for doing it, right? Now, to be, to be clear, because in this one, I did have to look up because there's been this whole thing. I saw a piece, which is probably the mo- one of the most interesting... Uh, piece that I've seen in a long time was I was watching I hadn't watched uh, Rising in a in a long time and they were doing this a segment boring of this. now with that with that one dude the one dude on the left is yeah, like a yeah, yeah, yeah. stump the on a log with the, with the glasses right this is so, so dry but they were they were talking about this they were talking about Joe Rogan they were talking mm-hmm. about his use of ivermectin and the, what's interesting is like, I saw that clip I know exactly terrible. what you're talking like, about. The woman in the middle was saying how, like, everybody's calling him, like, horse tranquilizer, right? Is well, that the one you're was, talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. A bunch of things that was terrible about that. One is he was saying, like, that's – they were specifically calling out CNN. A CNN, like, was basically lying by calling it a horse dewormer. Not that it isn't, but the oh, version not, that – Oh, yeah, not tranquilizer, sorry. Yeah, dewormer. But yeah. Not that it isn't, which is kind of the point I want to clarify, but that because it is – it has medical use for both people and for animals, and it uses, it uses a lot quite a bit for animals – but what I found really interesting is that they put this like big copy at the beginning saying that they could not say the name of the drug because the YouTube policy will basically bring the video down. So the entire time they're talking about this, this the reporting on the situations happening with Joe Rogan and this medicine that he's taking, but they refuse to say the name out of fear <laughs> of the of basically the video getting taken down. And when you talk when you want to talk about the bad side of censorship, that's a perfect example that even if there isn't censorship, the threat of censorship. It's calling that, hey, I'm looking at a news report. I want to just hear what they have to say about yeah, it. Yeah. They're not advocating one way or the other. Simply that's a report. So, and it's, that's so pre-COVID of you, It's the most that's surreal not, thing I have seen in a long time. Because they were so nuts. And I, maybe they did it for a fact. I don't know. But it was like they actually but, showed the disclaimer first. Yeah. YouTube would say, hey, we're going to talk about this. We're not going to say what it is. But we want you to know why we're not going to say what it is. So the rest of the thing was fucking odd. It was mm-hmm. like watching a, you know, an episode of Black Mirror. Oh, He's wow. like, we're going to talk about the thing that we all know what we're talking about, right. but we can't really say it. Wink, you know? wink. It's like that, you know, that one orange guy that had like it's the freaky. floppy hair? It's freaky. You know what we're talking about, right? <laughs> that's, that's like having a whole conversation like that. You're like, what? You mean Trump? Don't say it. Don't say it. It that's was funny. weird. It's weird. Yeah. Um, but by the way, so Ibramectin mm-hmm. is a medication that is actually approved by the FDA to treat people with conditions caused by parasitic worms, according to the, the FDA website. In animals, it has also been FDA approved to be used for preventing heartworm disease in some small animal species. Which is which is weird, and right? For so treatment it's, of certain parasites. So basically, it's worms in 
because it kills the worm. Right. I mean, uh, but it has, but but I guess there's, if I understand correctly, there's actually two versions. There's of course, an there are versions. Point, there's a, a people, right. a person version. My point right? is, I heard, I heard the first three minutes of his show today with um, Tom Segura. Yeah, I, I, I listened to yeah quite a bit of it. Literally the first few minutes of it, and like his first shot out of the cannon. Uh, this is Rogan. Was like. I guess I have to sue CNN. Do I, I have to sue CNN, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to sue these, these like straight up just made stuff up. Like fact, well, yeah. you know, because clearly he's not taking a horse drug. He's taking the, the, the human version. Now right. you can still believe that that's risky. This not, is a headline type of thing, right? It's like, it's like the total clickbait. But type of message. Well, it, like the message is the horse dewormer. Have you said oh, that? Of course. The person that he's taken is not that one. <laughs> exactly. That's like saying, oh, you took the horse aspirin. It's like, no, I took the human aspirin. I'm sure right. they give aspirin to horses too at some point or some version of that. But I just thought it was uh, it was a real example was, of just yeah. how worthless a lot of the, the media has become in, in my mind, headline-wise anyway. Well, yeah. And I, uh, yeah, I agree with you. Now – as it relates to the med- to the ivermectin, there is one study that found that ivermectin inhibits the replication of SARS-CoV-2 in vitro, and the study itself called for further investigation for possible benefits in humans. And that's basically what we've been going off of, right? This one study that was done, um, and using it basically in you know or getting people to actually to prescribe it to them, right? Now, one of the concerns that uh, for the people that one of the concerns that already come up is for people who self-medicate may take the animal version instead of the one used by for humans. And we'll get into it in a separate story as this relates to this because there's been obviously issues there already. Uh, but people the, have been going and trying to get yeah. the, There's been a run on the veterinary version <laughs> of this thing. Yeah, I'm sure. I saw people are just like, oh man, morons. Uh, but to the <clears> vaccine <throat> skeptics, mm-hmm. his recovery is being celebrated as being used as you know proof against the vaccine, right? So there was conservative activ- activist, Charlie Kirk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, Oscar La Hoya, fully vaccinated, still gets the virus, undergoes brutal hospitalization. And this is true. Oscar was about to basically fight in his comeback fight and got COVID. I didn't um, know this. Yeah, yeah, I saw him. Uh, yeah, he got pretty sick. He got pretty sick. He was, he was in the hospital. Um, and then the next thing in his, in his tweet says, Joe Rogan, not vaccinated, takes ivermectin and vitamins, doesn't undergo hospitalization, beats the virus, tests negative by the fourth day. And a little, little face, and like, hmm. By the way, one the, of those, hmm. the, this is the first time that I've heard anyone in this tweet. I didn't see this tweet until you put it in the document. Oh. But... um that Rogan is not vaccinated? Uh, well, first of all, I, I don't think that's actually accurate. He's never said whether or not he's vaccinated or not. Maybe, maybe I would he's out think there. He would be, I would think he would be just because of all the shows and the travel and the things that he does and how anal he's been about every one of his guests going into the studio and all that. Well, yeah, they do heavy testing, right? He's always, they always have done that. Every single basically show they were tested. I don't believe that's actually confirmed. I don't know if he's ever actually said whether or not he's vaccinated. Okay, because I've never heard that. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that one. I don't think that one's accurate. Um, there was also another conservative commentator, Katie Pavlik, uh, who said many are losing their minds over Joe Rogan, a healthy, non-overweight athletic person making personal health decisions and taking a Nobel Prize-winning drug. CDC, eighty uh, percent of people hospitalized dead from COVID were obese. Rogan is isn't the problem. The reaction of his choice is telling. Right, so that was kind of the yeah. Other Katie reaction. Pavlich, she's from she's on uh, Fox News. Oh, is she? okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know who she was. Yep. Um, so, courage or cringe? Joe Rogan's COVID experience proving self medication works better than the vaccine, or single example being used to push a false anti vaccine narrative? What's What's your take on the reason? Because he, he 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 put out a was it yesterday or the day before that he's like I'm negative now. 
Yeah. He yeah. was like three days, right? Or was it? Well, so I listened to the episode today. So he just posted the first though. episode uh, in over over a week. I think the last, I mean, more than like a week and a half. So he was off. So I knew something was wrong before he even came out. I'm like, that's weird. Like this guy, because I, I, I'm very. Yeah, it's a very regular. He's, yeah. He's very regular. I listened to it very regularly. So I knew mm-hmm. something was wrong. Uh, or I figured something was wrong. Something happened, maybe not necessarily wrong. But um, um, yeah, he was. I guess he started showing signs. If I remember correctly, what did you say? Uh, Sound like Sunday, not Monday. He went on a, on a basically on a trip, uh, doing stand up comedy. Uh, he got sick. His opener got sick. I said was she, I think it was a woman who was actually on the podcast as well. Um, they both got sick. I think, and she apparently got it much worse than he did. Uh, and he basically, you know, took a bunch of stuff um, to feel better. Well, he, he basically was, says that he after one day, he felt like apparently crappy. Right. Really one day after I started feeling better. He was doing like super doses of vitamin C intravenously too. I mean, there's all kinds yeah, of stuff he that does he was all doing. all kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Courage or Cringe is on people cheering. People his, cheering. The, the vaccine skeptics cheering. Right. I mean, I, I would say even between, what's interesting to me, uh-huh. even when I look at these two comments between Charlie Kirk and Katie Pavlik, right? The comment from Charlie Kirk is the one that I think to me is the more Courage or Cringe. Because what Katie's saying, I kind of agree with her. It's like, you have this guy who is... It's a healthy dude, not overweight, athletic, someone that takes a bunch of vitamins all the time, right? Um, and sure, it took this drug, but like the whole point about like it's you know, it's really been more people that have all these other 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 issues that tend to get more sick. Like I don't have really a big issue with that, right? Because that's not really a, an argument against the vaccine. The argument from Charlie Kirk is like here you have Oscar La Hoya or the La Hoya, right? Vaccinated, gets really sick. Right here, you have Joe Rogan not vaccinated, which once again, I don't believe that's actually true. Has ever been actually disclosed? I don't. Yeah. I don't right, think takes so. this medicine and he's fine. Right. Like in under that argument, I can. I'm sure there's plenty of people that could come out and say, "Well, I put vapor rub and I got COVID and I feel fine. I'm fine." So vapor rub. So is therefore, the way. vapor rub is is just as effective. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Like yeah. that seems like such a bad contrast. Yeah. So that's why I don't like his comment either for I mean the not vaccinated thing because I just don't know if that's actually true. I've never heard it for sure definitively. I guess if it if it turns out that he wasn't vaccinated, I wouldn't go, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe it." But I also think it's stated very like definitively without really knowing, especially not from him. So it definitely takes a lot of the credibility away from uh, the rest of his commentary. The Katie Pavlich one I have a lot less issue with, frankly. And just overall, I think where I'm out on this is the idea of people coming out and saying, look, it's not all – here's what I – here's the, the big bubble agenda, the big kind of like Goodyear blimp size thing. Everybody's going to do it in a different way. I don't like uh, Charlie Kirk's. So I don't mind uh, Katie Pavlich's. Mm-hmm. But I think the overall arching thing is look. There are people who are getting this who are approaching it in a variety of different ways and they're having some of them good results. Therefore, don't be – you know, so quick to think there's only one way or mm-hmm. be so fearful of thinking there's only one way to deal with things. And secondarily, I think right alongside that little Goodyear blimp is this idea, which we definitely don't talk about, is that if you're exercising and if you're healthy and if you're fit and if you mm-hmm. do things, you're going to have a much better go of this. And we we have sure. no problem telling somebody who's 300 pounds obese, 300 pounds overweight rather, like you know, go out and just make sure you get that vaccine, but we don't follow it up or even proceed it with like, hey, have you thought about maybe taking a little bit better care of yourself, eating yeah. a little bit better? Not like to me, it's yeah, just yeah. – it, and, so, and I think it should be the follow it up. Like that sequence is the right fine, sequence because I, I do have issue with people who are saying like, hey, 
you know, COVID is here. Like, oh yeah, go lose I get 100 it. pounds. No, I get no, that. No, That's no, good. No, you I should get, do that. But, but, then, but what about right now? <laughs> okay, but the other but the right. other end of it is like, yeah. yeah, have your vaccine and oh yeah, enjoy the the Whopper. Like, okay, like we can do the right, right, we can right. do it the right way. My point is that if the cheering by the skeptics is bringing to light those two things that I talked about, there is other ways mm-hmm. and fitness and health help then I think that dialogue amidst all of this stuff that just continues to get quashed, you can't even say the name of the drug because you're going to get taken up. Like in that world that we're Mm -hmm. living in, I'm courage in that world. So again, individual instances of how this gets expressed, I may not like, but overall, that's where I net out on this. Yeah. So in terms of I guess how we phrase it here, you know, Rogan recovery being cheered by vaccine skeptics. I'm high cringe on it, mm-hmm. right? Because him recovering does not, to me, is not an argument of that vaccine works or doesn't work. To your point, there's a lot of things that people can do, especially a guy that really takes care of himself, who is ex- extreme in taking care of himself. Probably has, I hope he has a little better shot of actually recovering from any kind of disease, right? Um, the part that I that I kind of find really interesting, though, this in this conversation, especially as it relates to this med- to this medicine, ivermectin, is that at least one of the arguments that I've heard from those that are anti-vaccine or are skeptical about the vaccine is the amount of testing that has been done, the amount of hey, we don't know what's going to happen if you get vaccinated ten years from now, twenty years. Like in the same conversation I was telling you about, the same group I was discussing. Someone, the, the same person was bringing up the whole issue, like, yeah, we don't know. It's not about the people that are getting vaccinated now. We don't know, like, how their, their kids' kids are going to be. I'm like, what are you talking about? Their kids' kids? Like, what do you know right now of anything about the kids' kids are going to be? Yeah. Like, what data are you actually literally looking at? Like, get out of here. Like, mm-hmm. that can't be the argument. Mm-hmm. But if it's the same people yeah, who are in the camp of... We don't have we enough don't have testing. Enough, enough testing and data for the next three generations. I know where you're going this. with this. Are the to same then, ones that are going to go get the ivermectin? Ivermectin. There's like there's one study that has like right. some indicator. Maybe it does well. You know what? Maybe it helps. I think that's good. Right. But then, but why think, be so loose here and so mm-hmm. and then be so conservative on this side? That's the part I don't understand. That dynamic. I think because um, if you were against all of them, I'm like okay, sure. Well, you I, just don't look. I think see what I'm saying. Wound up in that is the is. Um, the fact that we got these vaccines very quickly, the fact that Trump oversaw or was in the seat of command when these things were being, you know, created, that a lot of people look at that and go, we just rushed through this. And that's why, I, you know, I don't want to inject it. Now, the, the interesting but, but thing to— But more conservative voices than not, Charlie. So that, no, they, no, even, no, even no, the, the no, Trump overseeing that, like, that doesn't no, no, tie I, out to I, me that, either, that's, you know? That, that's what I'm saying. But my point is that people mm-hmm. will say, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm skeptical of that. Like, Uh I'm afraid of what the drugs that you develop might do, but I'm telling people don't be afraid of what this illness might do. That, to me, doesn't compute, right? It's like, how can you be so hesitant about injecting something because you believe that it may not be properly vetted and tested, and at the same time, be very casual about this illness and go like, oh, it only kills, like, super obese people and people that are already half dead anyway. To me, those two don't compute. The idea of the ivermectin, though, I could see somebody saying to you, Jesus, it has been tested for decades. Maybe not against this, but at least the decade's worth of testing lets me know it's safe. And the worst it can do is kill some intestinal worms that I don't have. So that's the worst that can happen. But, but, you see what I'm saying? The yeah, best that can happen yeah, yeah, is yeah. it can help but, COVID. But under the logic, like, then we're going to have a surge of people taking Pepto? 
I mean, probably right if you think about it, uh, there's someone, probably some people someone, who have someone's gonna come on and say there's you know probably, what really worked but they're take I, Pepto yeah, and all of a sudden like it's, it's, again, it's out of as stock as usual people are talking about different things you know, See what the, I'm of course <laughs> the idea of ivermectin having any weeks let alone years or decades of success in trials against COVID doesn't exist right. but somebody's saying uh, this has been taken by humans for decades and therefore I know that it's generally speaking safe and doesn't have long term right. effects is also true, right? So, so I yeah, think just, sometimes those a, streams get crossed. Yeah, it, it's an odd argument to me for that reason, though. It's like, right. yeah, there's a lot of things that people have taken for a long time, but it doesn't mean it has anything to do with this. It does. It, right? it doesn't. Like but what I'm saying is the no argument: the argument that it doesn't work against COVID is a different argument than it is or isn't safe. Right. And, that's and, all and I kind of put it in this category for for Joe Rogan. Like, look, if you want to take a bunch of stuff, and he, first of all, he's a guy as we talked about that will take a lot of things that are not that tested. He actually admits to it himself. Um, and that's his prerogative. And I'm glad he's feeling better. I also was hearing about people like cheering for him to get like sicker to like go through a harder time. And that's terrible. Why? Like, why would you want that on this person or anyone? Like, that's horrible. Agree on that. All right. As if one ivermectin related story wasn't enough. We have a a second one, but this is a little different different angle to the story, right? So courage or cringe judge stops woman. Who sued hospital about uh, ivermectin, right? So this is reported by the New York Times. On Monday, Ohio Judge Michael Oster reversed an early decision requiring a hospital to administer ivermectin, this antiparasitic drug that is primarily used, once again, for deworming as a deworming agent, to a patient that was being treated for COVID-19. Now, in the ruling, he said, there could be no doubt that the medical and scientific communities do not support the use of ivermectin as a treatment for COVID-19 and that the plaintiff had failed to provide convincing evidence to show that it was effective. He continued, while the court is sympathetic to the plaintiff and understands the idea of wanting to do anything to help her loved one, public policy should not and does not support allowing a physician to try any type of treatment on human beings. Rather, public uh, policy supports the safe and effective development of medications Mm -hmm. and medical practices, right? Now, the Ohio suit was basically filed by Julie Smith, right, who was acting as the guardian of her husband, Jeffrey Smith. Now, this was after Mr. Smith or Jeffrey Smith's physician had prescribed the medicine initially, which the hospital had refused to provide. Now, the, the physician basically was prescribing this, this, this medicine. He doesn't have any say in that hospital. And also, apparently, he hadn't even like, actually seen the, the patient when, before he prescribed it, right? Um, a different judge had granted— whoa, 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 whoa. say that again. He never actually saw—so according to, to court records, yeah, that was an interesting point. He never actually, like, saw the patient. He prescribed it. I don't know if it was on the phone or email. I don't know what but the But he device. knows this patient, no? He knows the patient. Okay. So knows he the know, patient, yeah, but right. prescribes the medicine without— Okay, well, I get my inhaler prescribed. I mean, uh, maybe not the same thing, but I don't have to go in to see a doctor to get my asthma inhaler. They can right. prescribe it because they know me. Yeah, I, I understand that. In the case of inhaler medicine versus something brand new that is sort of being tested out. Okay, but— uh, Right. Okay. Um, it matters to the point where it was not based on a deep consultation is the point I'm trying to make, right? Well, the, the point actually the piece was actually making. Um, a different judge basically had granted a 14-day injunction last month ordering Westchester Hospital, uh, North Cincinnati, to administer the drug um, who had been treated for COVID-19. Now, the lawyer presenting Mr. Smith said in a statement that Mr. Smith received uh, ivermectin for 13 days before the injunction was issued and that he believed the drug saved his life, right? Mm-hmm. Now, a spokeswoman for Westchester Hospital Kelly Martin said, we do not believe the hospitals or clinicians should be ordered to administer medications and or therapies, especially improved medications and or therapies against medical advice. Um, now, this, as we've talked about in the previous you know, topic, this has become an actually a popular subject among some conservative talk show hosts. 
Uh, physicians and toxicologists have raised alarm about people obtaining an ivermectin from livestock supply centers. And there's been a surge in calls to poison control centers, right? Yeah. Which reported from July to August that cases of ivermectin exposure more than triple from four to, from, uh, to 459 from 133. So uh, courage or cringe, judge standing up for the science-based medicine or government restricting the freedom of people to choose how they want to be treated. For the record, mm-hmm. don't take anything that's for horses. <laughs> I just want to make sure to be clear in case. Uh, there there is know. kind of a funny tweet that I put it up there. The, the, the FDA put up. It says, you're not a horse. You're not a cow. Seriously, y'all. Stop, stop it. <laughs> I agree. We're, we're human beings and we should uh, take a human being. The same, thing, the same thing happened with uh, hydro, uh, what was the, the hydro, one? Hydrochloroquine. Chloroquine, right? Like someone yeah. took it, something to do with uh, fish tanks. But I don't think that one it was. It was like some, out of the naming convention was similar or something, right? Or, the, or the composition of the drug was similar and they said, well, this is close enough. <laughs> Close enough, baby. I'm like, what Close are you doing? Close enough for government work. Uh, Look, I'm a, I'm a hard cringe on this one. Mm-hmm. I think this judge is just super confused, or I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Look, even the logic, the rationale, mm-hmm. there can be no doubt that the medical and scientific community does not support the use of ivermectin for COVID-19. One thought. Mm-hmm. Immediately following that, and you failed to provide convincing evidence to show it was effective. Okay, my question, if I showed it was effective, would you disregard that the scientific community doesn't support the use of ivermectin? Like, one or the other, which one are you making your case on? That it worked or that people disagree with it? That's number one problem with it. Ah, Okay. All right. Go ahead. Second problem with it is... I'll wait. No, yeah. (laughs) Well, this will be brief. Second problem with it is prescribed by his doctor. Now we have a judge acting in a superseding a medical professional who knows this person prescribing something for him saying, I've read a bunch of things that says a lot of people don't like what this doctor said, so therefore you can't take it, even though a previous judge had said no, that he can. So he's overruling a judge and a doctor now who've looked at this thing. And it just, it feels very, um, uh, what do you call it? Like uh, charged. It feels very like emotional to me. I, I, I like. I feel mm-hmm. like many things. This maybe politics has sneaked into this one as well. Oh, we, sure. It's, it's we can't be one. second guessing. Like if the doctor going, "Hey, you should take Tylenol." And somebody going, "You know, Tylenols killed some people back in the '80s because they put you, know, you shouldn't be taking." No, you know, you, we can't be doing that. These are like doctors and their patients. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. If the guy, Time out, no, no, no. Hang on, <laughs> hang on. Let me finish my ramble. If the, right. Is the guy is the guy uh, licensed? Does the doctor have a license? Do we know anything yes. about... Okay. I'm, I'm assu- I assume so. Okay. Then unless we have evidence to the contrary, we should listen to what this guy says about his own patient. That's all I'm saying. I don't think judges should be overruling that, but, my, but his logic to me is flawed, and that's why ultimately I'm a cringe. So I, I think there's a couple of factors going on here. One is the, the, the physician or the doctor of this person who was so sick does not have any say as to in this... Does that, does that have any jurisdiction basically in this hospital, right? in terms of what medicines can be applied or not, right? That was actually the re- – no, that's, that is the reason why they say, like, hey, we don't agree with you, and therefore we're not going to do it. And the first judge overruled that dynamic. He says, no, no, it doesn't matter if you're a separate profession. If any, At this point, basically, argue, to me, the argument is, like, if it's a doctor from a different place that has no jurisdiction on, on, on your hospital – we're going to overrule that, and whatever he says, you got to do it anyway. Yeah, but even that right? begs so, another question. I have so then no you idea have all the means. liability issues that now you sure. have to worry about if you're a hospital. Like, wait a minute, I treat my patients the way that I feel is is best suited, 
And just because someone is licensed, like, well, what is, is he a general practitioner? I have no is idea. He, I mean, so there's all these other different factors. So simply being a doctor does not mean if you're an optometrist and you're like, hey, you should take Evermectin. Hey, that's awesome. <laughs> But why talk someone that does like you know right. disease control or something? Someone that's more in well, that in that in that if, category. If this dude worked at lens crafters, <laughs> if this dude worked at lens crafters, I agree with you. Or okay. it's like it's like two and a half man. The guy was always saying that he was a doctor. Like no, you're a chiropractor. Remember, remember that? They're always making fun of him. But I do think there is a piece here where we're talking about, which is in this case where you have a patient under the care of a hospital, because that really is a question here. Should that hospital not have not be able to control what? Basically, medication, what treatment they're able to give to their, to to any patient that is there, or and and be overruled in this situation by someone that has no jurisdiction in, in that hospital. I think that's the main question. Maybe the way it's written, it sounds way more to me, politically just, charged, but I that's guess. a that's a to me that's a tricky one because it, then you're saying mm-hmm. this general practitioner who's like you know probably the the, the doctor this guy was used to doesn't mean that he's an expert. In any, like if if they're doing heart surgery, it, let's yeah. let's say that you're doing heart surgery, and the general practitioner like, hey, no, 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 we shouldn't do it that way. We should do this instead. Like, hey, dude, stay in your lane. Like, that's awesome. This is not what you do. Like, you're a general, yeah, and, that's and, your practice. And we don't know enough of See the See what I'm de- saying? Of course. Like, we that's don't know enough I, of the, I, I don't uh, think it makes sense. Put it this uh, way. It would be completely different for me if it was the wife or, you know, the crazy cousin, cousin Bert going, you got to give this guy vermectin because Joe Rogan said. That would be a very different thing. But if, if you have a the guy's doctor, and again, I don't even understand this whole jurisdiction thing because I thought that your physician, your primary care doctor – I mean, they, they can have rights themselves to do medicine at a facility, sure. agree with you. But if yeah, they're not required cases. for that, I thought that their, like, opinion or them weighing in on your medical care still was valid. I, I didn't know you had to have, like, rights to do medicine in the facility in order to actually have your opinion be, yeah. be weighed. I, I didn't think you had to practice it there in order for you to say this is what I would advise but you I, take. You to see me, what I'm that, yeah, yeah. But that makes maybe it a is. lot of sense to me to do it that way because you have a general practitioner that they do general practice, right? They're not right. experts in certain areas. That's why they end up recommending you to a to a um, specialist, to a specialist, right? I think at that point, overruling that specialist in the different practice that where they have no say, it, it I think becomes problematic. If if at all points your general practitioner, who happens to be your doctor, has final say what you can or can't do. Or the kind of treatment you can get, even if they have no, once again, jurisdiction in those, those hospitals. Possibly. Anyway, so, so that's possibly. that's why I'm I am very, I'm courage. Although I, yeah, I'm courage. I think your courage I'm for courage. what's the guy's name? Michael Oster. Michael I'm gonna be, Oster Jr. I'm going to be in Ohio. Don't in blame 40, his dad. I'm gonna Michael be in Oster o- Jr. I'm going to be in Ohio in 48 hours. I will say hi to uh, Judge Oster um, and you know have a discussion with him. Maybe he can change my mind. It is possible. My mind has been known to change, but that's where I stand today. What else, Jesus? What's coming up next on the show? Any exciting milestones? Year two. Only 52 short episodes away. (laughs) Approaching year two. Is that what we we always say? Approaching a decade. That's funny. Approaching a decade. Anything else? That's it. That's it? That's all we got. All right. So, uh, yeah. All right. We'll see everybody next week on another episode of TDR. In the meantime, please subscribe to the show. Go to www.patreon.com dot com backslash the diversity remix support our work um and hit that um uh survey as well we're going to put in the show notes again so that you can tell us what we should change about the show or improve or amplify or decrease etc etc so uh if there's nothing else then we'll uh, see you guys again next week on another episode of tdr If you enjoyed this episode of the Diversity Remix, please remember, first of all, to subscribe and help us to spread the word 
tell your friends, family, coworkers, and give us a five-star review. We're available on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you get your listening fix. And lastly, please remember to stop by blackbrown.us, the creator of this podcast, and take a look at our work and our approach at the intersection of diversity and business. The Diversity Remix is produced by Leo Gomez with production services by Jose Manuel Durquidi and Luis Diego Carranza and our friends at Juan Diego Network. The Diversity Remix is a production of Black Brown. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts.